0: Hey, this is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you are listening to the EA Podcast with Eric Allen.
1: Take it away, EA. All right, Chad. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, sprained knee, suffered that against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Bryce Petty came on, played a few snaps, actually helped lead the team to a field goal drive on his one possession, his first possession in the National Football League. But, Chad, you are our quarterback. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick said he's... Very optimistic. He's—I uh, don't—I could get the full quote for you, but he's optimistic that he is going to play Sunday against the LA Rams. And Todd Bowles said that Fitz gives our team the best chance to win right now. Your thoughts?
0: Well, that's exactly the answer. I, I think right now, even though it's easy for fans to uh, discard the season and say, "Well, we need to look toward next year," you still have 53 men in that locker room who know that there's still a chance to, to make the playoffs and, and besides the playoffs, be successful, and play good football. And so at the end of the day, you want to put your best 11 out there on offense, defense, and special teams to win football games. That's what you're charged to do as coaches and players. And so until there's a, another decision maker above Coach Bowles to say, hey, I want to see this guy play, he's got to put the best 11 out there. And obviously from what – he and Coach Gailey and the staff have seen uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick give them the best option and the best opportunity to win a football game, and, and that's the bottom line. There's no other discussion other
1: than that. Are veterans always a little apprehensive maybe to go uh, to the young guy because there's a comfort level with uh, the veteran quarterback? In this case, we know Ryan Fitzpatrick knows this offense inside and out. This is not only his second year with Shan Gailey here in New York, but he played three seasons with him in Buffalo, and the guys to a man, and you know veterans love this, is he knows all the checks, all the reads, all the progressions, uh, where everybody's supposed to be on every play, and for a veteran, there probably is, whether they confident in Bryce Petty or not, there's always that uncertainty level there, right? Uh,
0: There can be, but I think that is actually overrated EA. I think that uh, I remember when when I stepped in and started playing in 2002, I, I think there was a confidence level uh, in my teammates that I could handle the situation. And I hope there was. I hope that I was able to show in three years that w- when my numbers called, I, I can handle the volume of information. I can handle uh, what's going on just by what I did in practice and in preseason and my teammates being around me. Now, there was still – um an unknown, and I still had to prove that in game situations on Sunday. But as far as having the confidence to say Chad can do this, we just he just has to show us. That's different than saying I don't think he can do it. And I, I think players, uh, even though they do trust veterans, at the end of the day, they want the guy behind center that's going to give them best way, best chance to win, regardless of how he gets it done. Uh, there's a belief system there, and I still think there's a belief system. Uh, within the team, that Ryan
1: Fitzpatrick can help them win football games. Yeah, and Bryce Petty might be able to help them uh, win football games uh, this year. We don't know that because Todd Bowles right now is going with Ryan Fitzpatrick saying this is what gives his team the best chance to win. But you brought up a great point about uh, me overrating something there at the beginning because this is... Bryce Petty's second year in the system. He did come from that simple spread at Baylor, where the guys, the quarterbacks, are looking over <laughs> to the sideline for the check or the play before they run something. So this was, and they didn't even have a playbook at Baylor. So he had to have a lot of water splashed in his face when he entered the National Football League after he was entered uh, after he came in as a fourth round pick. But now this is his second year in the system. He played pretty well in the preseason. I talked to a couple offensive linemen the other night, Chad, and they said, you know, Bryce came into the huddle. He had a smile on his face. That that's the kind of personality he has. Uh, completed a couple passes, and he seems pretty confident. So he's got to be chomping at the bit for his next opportunity.
0: Well, there's no doubt. As a competitor, you're always chomping at the bit to to be the guy to be able to go out and execute for your team and be able to make those plays for your team and I still think, though, his learning curve is still drastic. Uh, there's no doubt that he has closed the gap for himself just in his own uh, maturation process as a quarterback coming from Baylor and what he was asked to do there and comparing that to what he's asked to do in Shane Gailey's offense is night and day. And there's no question that he has made progress there. But to fully say that he is completely ready to take on the challenge as a starter, uh, may still be a stretch. I don't know. I'm not in there every day, but I do know that there's a lot of information that he's had to absorb, and I would say that he is still treading water, so to speak, especially when you move into regular season. Now the game plans are much different than they are in the preseason.
1: Does that do a little for your confidence, though, just coming into a ball game and getting that out of the way? I know he only played a handful of plays, I think four and all, and I like what Chan Gailey did with him, Chad, that first play of Petty's uh, NFL career the uh, running back screen to a Bilal Powell that picked up a lot of yardage and I know people on the outside are complaining about hey they didn't really uh, let him go they're kind of conservative with Bryce there and I, I didn't necessarily think that I think obviously a guy coming off the bench in his first action in the third quarter of a tight game you're not going to be uh, running all goes in a seven step drop
0: well that's completely false that they were conservative Shane uh, Gailey was just executing his game plan trying to score against the Dolphins and um, on that third down conversion the reason that uh, the ball was thrown short was not because Shane Gailey called it that way it was because Bryce was actually hot there was an unblocked defender and he threw it to his hot receiver and Robbie Anderson uh, to get rid of the ball and not take the sack so Chan was just calling it the way he had been calling the game, regardless of who the quarterback was in the huddle. And Bryce executed the play the way he was supposed to. So it wasn't that there was a short pass play called or that they were being conservative. He was just calling the game. And and it just so happened that the Dolphins had a blitz that the Jets could not pick up. And uh, the Dolphins reacted and and made the tackle. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's false.
1: Inside the locker room this week, Uh, what's got to be going through Bryce's mind that uh, maybe wasn't before now knowing going into this situation where last week we knew Fitzpatrick was going to start and while guys can get hurt at any time he wants to play this week but he does have the sprained knee so he could be limited we don't know yet
0: well there's two components uh, and both components provide a greater sense of urgency for Bryce Uh, number one the first component with Ryan being a little bit banged up, uh, to say you're only one play away sometimes seems very distant when you're talking about a healthy quarterback that's playing well, but now a quarterback that's banged up, you're definitely one play away from having to go in there for the rest of the game or maybe spell him for a series or a couple plays, depending on how his knee reacts and how he's able to hold up. Secondly, there's another sense of urgency, knowing that there's pressure on this team to win, there's pressure on Ryan to play better there's pressure from the outside, saying we want to see Bryce Petty. So he has to certainly not uh, change the way he's preparing, but his mindset and his sense of urgency and and his energy and enthusiasm and, and just uh, inside the way he feels is certainly different this week compared to previous weeks.
1: Brandon Marshall said it best, and you were always a team guy, so you'll like this That. He said, everybody's going to throw darts at the starting quarterback when the offense struggles. But he said, it's on me, it's on Fitz, it's on all of us. Um, Can you point to something specifically why this team has struggled uh, finishing inside the red zone specifically? 1-5 of last week against Miami, 31st in the National Football League, this team last year, third in the NFL. And I know we're always, always going to point to Eric Decker, and that's very real. But you say it all the time. Every, te- every team in the league deals with injuries. So inside the 20, what is happening with Fitz and the offense? Because uh, last year uh, – Decker sent a team record. God, they had such chemistry and such synergy. He, Ten of his touchdowns came inside the red zone, Chad. So, obviously, they've had to adapt there without Decker. But what's happening inside the 20 beyond that as they continue to adjust? Because he's been gone for a while, and he's not coming back this year.
0: Right, and I think there's three reasons. The first reason is obvious. With Eric Decker not in the lineup, more uh, Brandon Marshall sees more double coverage, and now because Decker is not in the lineup, uh, the other receivers aren't beating single coverage consistently as Decker did when he received single coverage. Because even with Decker in the lineup, Brandon would re- receive double coverage, but Decker would beat single coverage. That's that's number one, so that's the obvious answer. The two answers that, that I think are uh, even more pertinent to our conversation is, number one, uh, Ron Fitzpatrick has not made great decisions in the red zone. His decision-making um, has been... Um, less as far as uh, less effective this year uh, compared to last year. Some of that has to do with you know the type of balls that you're trying to throw and and being in in uh, you know less space. Um, your room for error is is much less, and you have to be more precise. And then sometimes you just have to make sure that you get the three points out of it. I think if you take some of the red zone turnovers. Uh, out of this equation, then you feel much better about their production. I mean, even look at the Miami game this past weekend. You take that turnover away, uh, you probably win the game. Uh, Because not only does turnovers in the red zone take away points, it deflates your team because it takes away the momentum and the momentum completely swings to the other side because you're right there on the verge of getting points, having a kickoff, having a TV timeout, being able to take a big deep breath and get ready to go, and then all of a sudden you have a sudden change where uh, it completely changes the outlook of a game. Uh, and then, and then finally, I think that the running game has not come to the forefront for the Jets in the red zone. Sometimes when you're struggling in the passing game or you're struggling to put points upon the board, the running game can be the deciding factor to settle the offense down, to create a an attitude and a tempo, and and be able to gain some of those hard earned yards in the red zone that are so hard to come by because of the lack of space. And sometimes when you look at the great red zone teams, they're very efficient in the running game. And I'm not so sure that the jets have been efficient in the running game in the red zone.
1: No, you're right. And it's interesting. It's that old adage is that if they're stacking up the box and they're challenging you to beat you with the one-on-one coverage, do you go to the passing game? Do you spread the field? Because maybe you spread the field, uh, to actually get down to the 20, but, uh, From your vantage point, would the Jets be benefited from maybe going to some jumbo, more jumbo packages down there and saying, hey, listen, you're going to crowd the box, we're going to run it at you? Because you look at Forte's production, it's been interesting to me that he's 7th in the NFL in rushing. I know he's got a lot of attempts, but he is a workhorse. The other thing is he's got eight total touchdowns now, and he's scored touchdowns in three consecutive games on the ground. That's the first time he's done that since his rookie season, and he could score, if he scores this week against the Rams, which will be tough, no doubt about it, because we know about that front. We'll talk about that in a second. That'll be the first time in his career that he's had four touchdowns in a row on the ground. I mean, four games. Yeah, He's,
0: he's, been, he's been impressive, and he's certainly been a uh, shining light in this season, and, and... And proven to be a great pickup for the Jets, I've been really impressed by Forte and what he's been able to do. And so, you would like to see some of that run production turn into touchdowns in the red zone and getting those hard yards and those types of things. And um, so, I, I completely agree with that. Uh,
1: Fitz, uh, where entering this ball game, you were in this position a couple times where the team might be struggling start, uh, starting to get past the midway point of the season and you know where the fans mindset is what goes through a quarterback's mind when you know that the fan is always looking for that next savior so in this case and in a lot of teams that are struggling where are they looking? They're looking to the backup quarterback. When is this guy going to come in? So In this specific case, it's Bryce Petty. But for you to go into this game at home, how do you ignore the noise of what's happening inside? Not only the fan base, because I think you probably can insulate yourself from that, but the constant media uh, attention as far as, hey, uh, the uh, the opinions out there of hey the Jets got to turn the page it's time to look at uh, Bryce buddy
0: Yeah, this is probably one of the most difficult situations as a professional quarterback, and the reason I can say that is because I was in it. I remember back in 2007, our team is one and six, uh, and we're playing the Buffalo Bills. I'm dealing with a high ankle sprain, and nothing's going well, and so the boos are the loudest I ever heard in the Meadowlands, and so. That this is probably going to be his biggest challenge of his uh, career, uh, especially as a Jet. There's no question because what I hope that happens is that there's a spark, some energy and momentum created by the special teams and defense, to where it's not all put on the quarterback, uh, especially with a you know with a knee that's a little bit difficult to play with, and because it's going to be one of those games where you're facing a tough front. It's going to be an ugly game. It's not going to be pretty uh, because of their front and defensively what they've been able to do. And so that just – all the things that are in line for fans to boo and be negative and do all those things, they're all right there. They just are. And with the team you're playing, uh, the situation that your own team is in, they're all there for it to happen on Sunday. And so I hope that the special teams and defense are able to create some positive momentum give the offense a short field, get some quick and easy points to keep those boos at a minimum, especially early, uh, because it's, it's like a snowball effect as they continue to grow by the third and fourth quarter. quarter. Sometimes it can be completely unbearable.
1: You're a human being, yeah. like you just mentioned. Uh, we treat you guys like robots sometimes, but you definitely can hear it if it's happening, and at the same time, you're professional enough that, You know, you gotta take care of business at the same time. So it's really gonna help, uh, Fitz and the whole team if we see a fast start at home because you know where this fan base is at right now. Impatient, upset with where the team is at at three and six and they can get after you early.
0: Absolutely. And that's why, you know, I, I would I would have hoped that the game would be away for Fitzpatrick <laughs> or you're coming back from Miami with a win. Uh that makes things a little bit better because this team is like two plays away from being five and four. Uh now we can say that about multiple teams in this league and I understand the reality of that, but that's the case and so uh it's never as bad as you think, it's never as good as you think. I think um the the problem with this team all year compared to last year last year this team found ways to win this year this team is finding ways to lose and it's all across the board Uh, it's not on one side of the ball or one player everybody has a hand in this three and six record and sunday was the epitome of that special teams uh, chipped in in losing this ball game. The offense chipped in in losing this ball game. And even though you can look at the defense and go 274 yards and all the great things they did, they still had a hand in losing this ball game. Uh, whether it be the the last three minutes of a game not being able to stop the the Dolphins to get the ball back to the offense to have a chance to win, whether it be a couple of the big plays that were given up that nullifies the great play elsewhere. Uh, how about the unsportsmanlike penalties and things like that? I mean, so all three phases have chipped in to the 3-6 and six record, and there's certainly not one person or one side you can completely
1: blame. It I, on. I don't want to talk about officiating too much, and you're right about the flags, and Todd Bowles has always taken the right stance there. If it's a penalty, we, we got to clean it up, and 10 penalties is way too much. You talk about the special teams return. That was the game deciding score. We talk about the red zone inefficiencies. And with all that being said, the Jets have to be so frustrated because, again, this is another game where you might be able to come out of the stadium and say, you know what? We were the better team in the trenches. And maybe for large portions of that game, we were the better team, but they just haven't been able to finish. But I wanted to ask you about the officiating. Um, and I'm not trying to get you in trouble. But some of that stuff, don't you think it's ticky-tack? The Jarvis Landry buster screen, it's almost like I know they. But they, you tell this to your kids, your coaching now is that they're always going to get the last guy. But a lot of that stuff off the, after the whistle, um, early in a game, isn't that on the officials to say, hey, listen, next time you're both getting one, and then after that, well, you know, you're going to get thrown out of the game or something. So they get after it early. I feel like the Jets maybe got the short end there early. And listen, they lost the ball game because of their own miscues. I'm not blaming the officials. But a couple of those plays early, the the prior one, maybe i got to watch the replay a couple more times from the press box level. I thought he was just celebrating a play. I think sometimes we're trying to take celebration uh, out of the game, and I know everybody can't be Jim Brown. I mean, I I, I like the Jim Brown approach, but everybody's got to be different. I don't know. Uh, I'm having a hard time dealing with it sometimes when I watch what's happening on the field.
0: Well, and I think uh, there's two things here. There, there's no doubt that the buster screen penalty uh, was ticky-tack. Um, both of those guys, it reminded me of Odell Beckham and Josh Norman, just not to that degree, right? They're, right. They're cat fighting basically, and trying to establish um, an attitude and a will with each other because they're they're going at it every down. And, and you would hope that as an officiating crew, you see that, you jump in, say, "Hey guys, knock it off. I get it." But you know, a warning would have been nice there. Um, there's no question. And then some of the other things, I think it's a culture change where it's such a me culture, and look what I did. I think sometimes the officials are caught in the crosshairs of going, "Okay." Where do do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line of where somebody's just celebrating himself? Which, by the way, we play a team game, but I'm just saying. But (laughs) then, and then where is it too much? You know, and, and unfortunately, that's a subjective call. And so I would say as a player, and this is what being a professional is, is understanding the environment that you're in, understanding the game that you play. And as badly as you want to celebrate yourself, you gotta remember, there's ten other guys and 43 on the sideline. They're right there with you. And then secondly, that that the official does have the opportunity and the potential to call the flag. And so, if I'm a three and five team, I'm not doing anything to take momentum away from us because we're struggling as it is, trying to make a play and win a game. So that would be my mindset if it were me.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a fair point, and I totally agree with you on the on the Buster Jarvis Landry thing. I, you know. I think early in a ball game, you try to set the tone as an official, but I don't know if you can flag one guy in that situation. And what you said about Calvin is a fair point. And uh, you saw Todd Bowles talk to Pryor after that, and I'm sure he heard that message. And I wouldn't anticipate if Pryor makes a big hit this weekend that he'll have a similar reaction that he did in Miami because, you know, ultimately Calvin Pryor is a young guy, he wants to help this football team. you will love his passion for the game. You're the one who pointed this out to me last year, first before anybody, is that this defense was always different in 2015 when 25 was all over the field playing his game. But with that being said, those post-whistle uh, penalties and fractions are really going to hurt you. And I don't anticipate – I really don't. After what Todd said to him, and Todd's the kind of guy who does the stuff behind closed doors – I don't think Calvin's going to have a problem with that in the future.
0: I don't either. I, th- I think he understands it. I think uh, you know what happens in a situation like this is, is guys are pressing so hard to create something positive for your team. You just let your emotions get a little bit outside the line, and when you're three and five, then that really shows its ugly head. Whereas if you're six and two, you probably don't even think about it. And that's the difference in winning and losing in this league. So. I don't think Calvin's a bad guy. I just think, you know, you have to understand that there's a time and place for everything, not anything, especially in this league, and winning and losing dictates a lot of that. And so, you know, when you're 3-5 and and you're just trying to create some positive momentum, you just got to keep your head down and keep grinding, and you can't do anything to take the attention off of your team and what you're trying to do because, um, unfortunately, when you're losing and you're trying to reverse that, it just means more than when you're winning.
1: All right, and, and finally, you're putting a hat on the defense and the special teams. because as you look at this Rams defense, you say they're solid across the board. The thing that jumps out at you and everybody is Aaron Donald. He might be the finest defensive player in the National Football League. I think you can make that argument, especially with J.J. Watt out this season. Guy's got five sacks from an interior rush position. Uh, he's great against the run as well. Nonstop motor, very unique uh then you got quinn on the outside a guy who's been to multiple pro bowls uh alec is a good linebacker they got guys all over the place in that front seven so chad pennington's keys this week give me three
0: well number one i think uh, special teams has to provide a spark with a big play uh to create a short field which would then lead to a scoring drive um uh, for the offense. Number two, I think the defense has to create turnovers. There were no turnovers created on Sunday, and when even when you have great performances as far as statistics and total yards, um, the way you change momentum in a game is through turnovers, and those turnovers would actually nullify some of the big plays that they've been vulnerable to uh, because it's a momentum thing and an attitude thing, so I think turnovers created by the defense is number two. And number three, I think just controlling the line of scrimmage uh, for the Jets' offense to
1: eliminate
0: as many negative plays as you can. When you face a de- defense like that and a player like Aaron Donald, it's very difficult to go against a three technique that's that good because when you have edge rushers, the quarterback always feels comfortable in stepping up underneath that edge rusher. But when you have an interior rusher that pushes the pocket and really – Uh, makes that pocket very uncomfortable. The pocket is constantly changing. That is extremely difficult for a quarterback to operate in, especially if they can play coverage with seven defenders behind him. So uh, offensively, it is to control the line of scrimmage, meaning eliminate as many negative plays as you can. Even a one-yard gain is positive
1: in a game like this. All right, Chad, as always, we appreciate it. We look forward to catching up with you next week. Okay, EA, thank you.